When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Trish. Yes. You are looking a bit peaky. Or as my teenagers say, you do be looking a bit peaky. I do. I'd be feeling it too. I've been I've been on the lady petrol. <laughs> I've been on I've been on the rose. The rose. Not this morning. Um last night. Not axe in the back of the head bad, but no. just a bit queasy. You know that that feeling. It's not the full on. Not that your no. mouth is like the bottom of a birdcage, <laughs> not quite that far. Not quite that bad, but just slightly feeling it today. It's making you hotter than normal. I am, I am, yes, definitely. Feeling what a bit time lush. did you go to bed? Oh, it wasn't late. It was about 12, but, um, but yes. Your own bed? My... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin and I'm Lorraine Candy and we're on a mission to tackle all the big and small issues that affect women at this stage of our life from insomnia to mind and body wellness HRT to sex drive careers and relationships and as always the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Today we're going to be chatting about a host of exciting things from falling in love with a woman in your 40s to midlife adoption and even looking at penises for your job. Oh Trish, (laughs) what are you fantasising about now? It's not fantasising because we have the fabulous TV presenter Anna Richardson on today's show who is incredibly smart and incredibly interesting and has some great midlife experiences to share with us. Good, I'm really looking forward to talking to her. And later on, Trish is also going to be telling you about her balls, her protein balls um, that she's been trying and testing. And we'll be taking our usual wander down memory lane to rustle up some funny little nostalgia noodles. And we've been having such a lot of fun too with our Facebook group. And it's so great to see our midlife community growing on there. So please do join us if you fancy. And we've we've just had so many lovely comments. So we thought we'd read out. Um, This is from Fran, who says, so happy the podcast is back. I'm a mum of four, aged 17, 15, 13 and 11, three girls and a boy. Um, Currently, they are in a very different time zone. But in my own fab news, I started HRT this week because of your amazing Series 1 podcast. So thank you, Lorraine and Trish. Oh, that's brilliant. She's going to feel so much better. She's going to find her midlife power. Now, Lorraine, I wanted to check in and see how you're doing because things have changed quite significantly for you this summer, haven't they? Yes, I've entered kind of what I guess is the next stage of my career. Um, so I've stepped mm-hmm. out of editing magazines after more than 35 years as a journalist, um, you know, editing Cosmo, so L for 12 years. And recently I've been editing Sunday Times Style, but I've decided to step out and focus on writing my book. Mm-hmm which I've now actually got to write, which is a book about parenting <laughs> teenage girls. It's really a memoir. It's a love story to my teenage girls, oh, a parenting lovely. memoir. So mm-hmm. I'm going to write the book, concentrate on the podcast, um, and actually on my family as well. And it's quite mm. exciting, but it's a bit terrifying at yes. the same time. I mean, I think... Well, you know. I've been through it, as you know. 
and um, and you do come out the other side. It's like, I think the thing is, I think I actually posted a quote on the old Facebook group that was, um, you know, somebody wise and remarkable said about endings and beginnings and how you need to look back and feel really valid about what you've achieved, um, but acknowledge that it's an end. And then with every ending, there's a new beginning, isn't there? And it sounds like you've yeah. got so much. I mean, I always did think you... <laughs> You were so busy yes. all the time. So I think it's going to be great for you. It feels a bit kind of odd not being attached to something or under the yes. umbrella or something. Yeah. But also I think at this stage in life, it is good not to have that, to really just mm -hmm. rely on yourself rather than be working for someone else all mm -hmm. of the time. I just think this is the moment to work for me, really, and, yes. and make it work for me. Yeah, it's your second act. You're ready. You're ready. I'm ready, yeah. I'm going to win an Olympic medal as well. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not going to do that at all. Don't be <laughs> stupid. Can't do trampolining anymore. I've got no pelvic floor. <laughs> now it's time to welcome this week's special guest, Anna Richardson. Anna is an award-winning producer, TV presenter, and mental health advocate who has fronted shows including You Are What You Eat, Super Size vs. Super Skinny, Naked Attraction, and most recently, The Fantastical Factory of Curious Craft. And as if that wasn't impressive enough, Anna is also a qualified cognitive hypnotherapist and co-founder of Mindbox, a 24-hour online therapy center to help people struggling with stress and anxiety. And she is also one half of TV Power Couple with her partner, Sue Perkins. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, girls. It's oh. lovely to see you. Well, we are so pleased to have you because we really see you as someone flying the flag for midlife women <laughs> like us and rewriting <laughs> that tired old narrative that the world seems to have of our women our age, but and doing it with very fabulous hair as well. So um, can we just start by talking about the fact that you are just about to turn 50? Mm. How is that feeling for you? Do you know, I, I must confess I'm struggling. I am struggling. So a few months ago, Sue turned 50 and she was really having a bad time with the whole thing. Uh, and I was a bit like, oh, get over it. You're going to be upset. What, you know, what's wrong with turning 50? So deal with it. Now that I'm on that approach road, I must confess that I'm finding it hard. Mm -hmm. I've got so many massive questions about what have I achieved in my life? What else do I want to achieve? Where have I gone wrong? Struggling with menopause, uh, why didn't I have children? Uh, what else do I want to do in my career? How am I going to make my dreams come true? Why haven't I got the perfect life? All of that kind of thing. But it's interesting isn't it? because I, I would say from the outside looking in to you, people would think tick, tick, tick for a lot of that. You know, you've got an amazing relationship. You're super successful. You've done the most amazing work with your uh, mental health sort of advocacy yeah. and campaigning. So, so it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's that kind of outside in thing, isn't it? Isn't that interesting that, mm -hmm. that you're, you're right. If you think about your own life, it's, it's not how other people perceive it. I mean, do you guys feel the same way? Because I could turn those tables and say it's exactly the same for, for, for you two. Super successful lives. But do you feel that? I think it's menopause, isn't it? I think it's the perimenopause heading towards 50 that just throws this huge curveball around everything because your emotions are all over the place, your hormones are all over the place. I mean, I've been through it. Lorraine's been through it as well. We're, we're both on HRT, but where do you think you are in that journey? 
So I've been perimenopausal, I'd say, for about the last five years. Um, I have seen literally every single specialist that's out there, apart from Dr. Louise Newson, actually, um, who I I must go and see. Um, But I've seen everybody. I've tried everything. I have been on the estrogen patches. I've been on the estrogen gel. I have been on the eutrogestin progesterone. I've been on DHEA. I've been on testosterone. So I've had the whole sort of symphony of HRT. And I'm not sure that it made me feel any better. So I'm currently not on anything. However, I recognize that I'm starting to feel possibly a bit worse. So my hair's getting a bit thinner. My skin is definitely more dull. I'm definitely getting more wrinkly. I'm definitely getting the sort of unitum Mm. thing where you become sort of built like a brick. So I I just wonder whether I've just not found the right little cocktail yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody Mm. was asking me the other day, because I've only been on it for about five months, and I was trying to describe that I just feel um, lighter somehow, that life just feels more, you know, vivid and alive. I think everybody has a unique sort of reaction to it and experience of it, but that's been my, and that's worked for me. That's been a really nice feeling for me because I didn't feel like that before. So, um, so yeah. did, did you find that your boobs exploded and that you sort of went up a dress size? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. No, I didn't have that. So um, Lorraine, what about you? What did you, yeah, you I think? think? Well, I did see Dr. Louise Newson and it takes a while to get the right amount of everything and the right mix because everybody's drop in estrogen is very different and some women lose a lot of testosterone and some women don't and within months I was able to the one thing I wasn't taking when I saw her was testosterone and within months I was able to remember people's surnames again not not get lost in the (laughs) middle of a sentence thinking like what the hell where was I don't know where I was going with that but so yeah I think it just takes a while to get to the right everyone has such a different experience don't they but Lorraine did you get hairy? Oh. No, I, I didn't get hairy. I got very hairy. hairy. Did you? Did you? Yeah, yeah. You're putting the testosterone. I have put it everywhere. So I started <laughs> off putting it on, on my, I hate to use this word, I'm sorry yeah. girls, but on my minge. Yes. And I thought, let's just put it around there. I grew enormous pubic shorts oh. within the space <laughs> of about six weeks. Um, but I thought, okay, you know, I can sort of handle that. But I went to go and speak to, to my doctor and said, look, I'm not sure that I want to keep waxing every sort of 30 seconds. So they suggested that I put it on my inner arm. I then grew a massive man's no. arm. Oh, so, yes. Well. I'm not but medically look, qualified, if I can remember so I names. can't really help. <laughs> no, but I would have thought if it's going to make hair grow somewhere, you don't want it somewhere like your arm. No. <laughs> it's it. one big black hairy oh, arm, oh, and no. then the other one was normal. So I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey. We hadn't heard the word perimenopause until two years ago. Did you know midlife was a thing, that everything would change? Because it was all a complete shock to me. Turning 50 was a shock, being depressed was a shock needing to take hormones was a shock and I felt like no one had told me about this and it I, the sisterhood had somehow let me down by not explaining this was coming towards me did you know it was coming towards you put it this way I should have known that it was coming but I think you're right that we haven't talked about it enough and we don't talk about it enough in families and the reason I say that that I should have known it was coming my grandmother killed herself when she was our age and my mother when I was a teenager and she was this age, she was also very unstable. 
And I've always put that down to sort of, you know, mental health issues. But actually, mm. my mother has said to me before that when her own mother took her own life, she was around 50, 52. And mum oh, thinks that she was going through a very, very bad menopause. Yeah. And at the time, if you think about it, this would have been, what, the late 50s? Yeah, no there was no help for women then. Yeah. So mm. I just think my poor grandma must have been going through all the things that we've experienced to a, a greater or lesser degree. She must have been very, very depressed very confused her husband had my, my grandfather had left her for another woman and i think she was desperate as you've highlighted on on the podcast i think it's a it's a national scandal that gps yeah. don't have standardized training when it comes to the menopause hrt and also mental health that is a national scandal because too many of us have just been pushed aside put on antidepressants or told that you know you're unstable or that you're mad or whatever it happens to be so you know I, I think that's that that is a national disgrace now 40s can midlife can often be a time when you sort of outgrow a relationship or you feel that you want something more or something just different from your relationships how um surprised were you having been you know a long-term partner with a man to fall in love with another woman i've talked about this in the press before that that when i'm met Sue we, we kind of knew each other around the circuit the telly circuit now it is and I met her at, at, at a friend's party and it was as if the planets aligned it really felt as though I've known this person before there is some kind of weird karmic connection there was something so profoundly deep when I met her that I kind of knew that I had to change my life um, and I think that's possibly something to do with you know, women meeting women, that, that, that there's, there's a knowingness with women, isn't there? That, mm. you, that you'll never really ever have with a guy. Even though I love my ex-partner to bits, we're still very, very good friends. Um, and I consider them to be part of my family. I think there's something about connecting within a, a, a lesbian relationship, which is profound it, it, in a way that you can't quite get with a chap just because I think that you know there's such a gender difference and it's a big change so a lot of women go through massive turmoil and change how so before you stepped out of your what is a kind of a traditional relationship what do you think you did well what do you think you did back what can we learn from that if you look back and think if someone is a woman is now thinking I'm going to do this what what would your advice be how would you help her it's really important I think in, in our midlife that you sit down and you think what have I achieved in my life? Where am I going? What do I still want to do? Am I happy? And if the answer is no, I, I'm, I'm feeling very unsure about this relationship or where I'm going or where we're going together, then I would always say, go and have either couples counseling mm -hmm. or go and have your own personal therapy before you make the jump. And if you, off the back of that, still feel that you need to make a change, then now's the time to do it. It really is. I think there's something incredibly empowering about being in your 40s and 50s and saying, I want the second half of my life to be different. I don't want to do the same old humdrum thing. I want to make a change. You guys must have heard of the rocking chair exercise. In no, no, don't. It, it's, it's a really, really good exercise for all of us to do I think that so essentially it, it goes like this that take some time out take about five minutes to close your eyes and just imagine 
being really elderly, being in your 80s or your 90s, sitting in a rocking chair on your front porch on a beautiful balmy summer's day and looking out across a, a stunning vista. It could be your garden, you know, it could be the sea, whatever. And you're rocking away and you're reflecting on your life. And you need to make a note of what have my achievements been? Who are the most important people in my life who have touched me? Who are the people that I've touched in terms of having made a difference? What are my strengths? What difference have I made? What legacy am I going to leave? And did I fulfill my dreams? And I think that, that if at the end of that you go, I really wish that I had done A, B or C, then now is the time yeah. to start making those, those mm -hmm. inroads, to, to creating the life that you want. That's really helpful, really powerful. Now, you found out in a, in a rather unexpected way, didn't you, in your late 30s that you weren't able to have children. Mm. Um, how did you process? Do you want to tell us what happened? And also, how did you process that? And how are you still processing that maybe now? I found that moment profoundly shocking uh, and very, very difficult. So the story goes like this. I was doing um, a show. I think it was for the sex education show, actually, for Channel 4. And uh, as part of that, uh, the producer said, do you want to go for, you're going to talk about fertility. Do you want to go for a fertility test? And at the time I was sort of late thirties and I was really cocky. And I was like, yes, I'll be fine. I've got millions of eggs. This is going to be easy. And my producer at the time was a, a friend of mine and, and she was pregnant. So off we went to go and get this fertility test. And I, I can remember very, very clearly that my friend went in first and she didn't come out for some time so she went in to get my results and she didn't come out and then eventually the doctor just turned up and said can I can I have a quick word with you and I went inside she said listen none of us was really expecting this you've had your bloods done you've got the crew here um we all thought everything was going to be fine I have to tell you that you are infertile you you, you have nothing left there's no eggs left um, there's just nothing there. At the time, because my very heavily pregnant friend was there who was producing the show, I remember looking at her and thinking, how can, how's this happened? Mm. That you're about to have your baby and I can't have mine. Uh, and it was all, you know, in front of a crew and it was very, and it, very And it upsetting. had been something you just assumed would happen in your life yes. at some point, that you would just have children and that would be, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I've always, I, I think to be truthful, I've always prevaricated because uh, I had an ectopic pregnancy when I was 21 and I was very unwell with that. So that was the emergency surgery and, and all the rest of it. So I think that that's possibly why I've delayed having kids because I was so shocked by having an ectopic but then to hit your mid-30s and to be told game over it's I, too late yeah I yeah. wasn't expecting that mm. um how does it weigh on your mind now very heavily that mm. I've suddenly realized that oh I forgot to have kids and mm. I, I I think I just thought that you know sort of Peter Pan wise I was always going to stay young and I was going to somehow be able to do it um so I I kind of regret not having frozen my eggs I regret not having perhaps you know taken more notice of it so yeah 49 50 I'm very seriously thinking about adopting or fostering very seriously 
and are you down the road with the adoption process or is it something you're just kind of tapping into at the moment? I've just done a, a podcast actually which is going to be coming out because the government are pushing a big new campaign for people to to consider a fostering an adoption mm. so I've just uh, just just done a podcast show around that where I've been interviewing other couples that have done the same thing and off the back of that I've started those discussions okay. with the local council but you know it's 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 a huge it's not easy to adopt mm. um Long but journey. ultimately it's a wonderful thing to do yeah Oh, we wish you lots of yeah. luck with that. We really do, Thank you. Anna. You've had such a, I suppose, such a phenomenal career as a journalist and presenter, haven't you? Because you've done so many different things, right, right the way from the dieting programs that you did through the sex programs and the mental health. And I wonder what you've learned throughout all of that. What have you learned about sex, for example, from, I think that's what people most remember you for in the last, uh, I think that's the last big one uh, that you did. What? What, what are your thoughts that other women would benefit from knowing? I have to say, I, I think that one of the things I'm most proud of probably is uh, naked attraction Yeah. right now. And I'll, I'll tell you for what, when it was first pitched to me, I can remember sitting there and thinking, you must be out of your effing minds to want to do this show. I know that, you know, this is just an excuse to put willies and boobs on TV and just to get ratings. And for that reason, I'm out. So I was able to kind of sit with the with the team and intrinsically sort of forensically look at what is this show actually trying to say. And once we got down to the nub of the fact that this is a celebration we are looking at trans, we're looking at gay, we're looking at straight, we're looking at older, we're looking at younger, we're looking at non-binary. If you look at Naked Attraction, even though it's funny and people watch it and we kind of laugh along and we play along with who's going to get together with who, nowhere else on British television are you going to see naked trans people. I mean, that's a privilege to be, to be shown that, in my opinion naked trans people saying, this is what I look like. I deserve love and I deserve a relationship as much as anybody else. So I think in terms of a, a positive message in women listening, what I've taken out of that show and what I've learned about sex is to accept your body and accept who you are without judgment. So tell me about um, being a therapist. What's, you're a cognitive what does what does that mean what do you what does a cognitive hypnotherapist do and how has it helped you well first of all cognitive hypnotherapy is a combination of hypnotherapy and also cbt so we we are using um all of the cognitive disciplines uh, and combining it with hypnotherapy as opposed to just saying we just use hypnosis so we're multidisciplinary but the reason that i decided to train was seeing that the huge difference that that made when I when I lost a, a ton of weight but also because um, a couple of years ago my mother had a, a breakdown um, she came off some antidepressants that she'd been on for years and years and years um, and she couldn't get any help so for me training as a cock, as a cock hipper as we call ourselves was to try and affect a difference in my life 
But also off the back of training, I've set up my own mental health business called Mindbox. It's, yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. fascinating. Tell us about Mindbox, because there is very little resource for people who, when you, when people say, oh, get a therapist or see a therapist, you're kind of, it's very hit and miss who you get, how trained they are, where you find them. And I know certainly outside of London, if you said to my sister who lives in Cornwall, get to find a therapist, mm. it's not something that's in the natural, normal run of things. So talk about Mindbox. So first of all, it's, it's, it's changing. So being able to find a therapist is changing. And, you know, we're doing our podcast over Zoom. Uh, So now that we've had lockdown as well, people are using technology to connect much more, much more efficiently. And that's the same with therapy. So I launched Mindbox uh, a couple of years ago, and it is a 24-hour online therapy resource centre where we can connect you with the therapist, but also we've recorded... Uh, five different um, programs, effectively, uh, self-guided programs, therapy programs that you can do from home. So the point is, is that we wanted to make therapy and help affordable, accessible and available to everybody. How do you feel about antidepressants? Because this is this comes up quite a lot in any conversation around midlife because it's a default GP prescription. I don't know what's the matter with you. Mm. Would antidepressants help? I, I cannot stop counting the number of women that have said to me I've just been offered antidepressants and I don't want to take them they are I presume for some people will work amazingly well and absolutely necessary just talk around your thoughts around that in midlife with reference to women and what what should women ask when they're offered that back to what we touched on earlier on it is a massive problem the fact that GPs don't have standardised training around dealing with with Mm. women at our age who may be presenting with menopausal symptoms, including mental health issues. So I would have thought, and I think it's something to campaign on actually, that Mm. in the first instance, we should be offered hormone therapy without question. However, I do believe that as an adjunct, antidepressants are also really important. And I've been on them. Um, on and off throughout my life and they have I I would say probably saved my life on a couple of occasions Mm. so Mm. I I won't poo-poo them because I think that for a lot of people they're a lifesaver and myself included I think that's been amazing oh I know what I wanted to ask you because I mentioned it yesterday as well because um look at little Trish got a terrible hangover Look at little Trish. I'm a bit, a bit flushed. I'm a bit flushed. She's been guzzling the rose. Oh, good girl. <laughs> That's what I said. Yay! Someone's got to be out there on the front line for us. Um, yes. You, um, I'm always fascinated by this. You stopped drinking during lockdown. Tell me how that made you feel. And I know you're back on the old old booze now. The sauce. But, um, the sauce. Yeah, what, what was that? An interesting experiment. I think people are fascinated by that. I kind of decided that I was going to try and get healthy during that sort of 10-week lockdown. So I gave up booze. Mm -hmm. And I've got to be honest, girls, because, you know, I do like a tipple. (laughs) I did feel better. Oh, (laughs) definitely. It is. Unfortunately, it's the truth, isn't it? But did you have as much fun? No, God, no. (laughs) No, no. The the, the minute lockdown was over, I I was out there, you know, with with, with my pals, just quaffing shampoos. (laughs) Thoroughly enjoying off the wagon oh it's the way it should be oh thank you so much you've been brilliant that has been amazing thank you very much indeed for having me it's been an absolute pleasure to to appear on this series and i'm very very grateful (laughs) 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, Lorraine and I have both hit a few milestones with our teenagers this year, which have been both celebratory, but also slightly tinged with sadness, not just because of the impact of the coronavirus crisis putting a damp squib on everything, but also because it means our babies are growing up and moving on with their lives. So we've had some big birthdays, haven't we, Lorraine? Yes, so this year, Trish, um, in a very sad way, because in my head, my children are still in their Moses baskets um, and I'm still pushing them around in their pram. We've had a 16th birthday and we're about to do an 18th birthday. We've had A-levels and GCSEs, well, a version of. Um, We've got a driving test coming up. And oh, actually, we've been married... 20 years this year as well in October oh my so yeah. it's a whole year oh. of milestones it feels oh. quite dramatic you've had 16th haven't you we've had 16th but I think the big one for us is them leaving they're leaving their secondary schools to go to sixth form colleges and it was quite funny because I had to drive them to the school a couple of weeks ago to bring back their books and I was all like oh gosh you know isn't it sad and oh how do you feel and they're all like mum it's fine it's over we're moving on and I think what's interesting about them is that they you know I was talking to Esme about it and she was saying mum I just we just live in the moment and we think about the future we don't really look back and I think we're we look back a lot don't we and um, I did sort of realize well while I was feeling sad about you know this being the last time I would go to their secondary schools I mean I walk past their primary school several times a week and I always get a little <gasps> moment at that as well and that was ages ago but you we, just <laughs> we live opposite the infant school oh my gosh you see it yeah. every day the little ones and I you know think about just your ones at that age their little voices their little playing in the oh. playground it's just so reminiscent yeah. and it's still so much part of the fabric of our memories our um eldest who will be 18 will um leave home <gasps> so this will I be know. so this year we took her to see various universities so we, that was quite a milestone we're obviously going to be taking her shopping to get her first bits and bobs for her mm-hmm. room it just it feels it just feels completely unbelievable as if it should never happen and was never mm-hmm. going to happen and i think in midlife you start to think much more about how much time you have left rather than mm-hmm. how much time, you know, it doesn't feel endless anymore. It feels really mm. important that every day mm-hmm. something happens every day that's important and that you're marking each day and it's one less day. I mean, without getting too melancholy. Um, I mean, it is quite exciting as well. I mean, yeah. I just kind of sense so much hope and joy and wonderfulness. Oh, I think you should give yourself a little pat on the back. I think every, t- yeah. every milestone they achieve, <laughs> everyone's think, wow, still we alive. got them there. We, exactly. we did achieve another milestone this week, which Go was on. really exciting for us. One of them, 
I think it was one of the teenagers changed the toilet roll. <laughs> Actually did it themselves. <laughs> took, took the roll off, didn't oh. just throw it on the floor in a pile. Oh my god. In the bin and put a new Oh, I that, feel that's my greatest parenting that achievement. Deserves champagne and fireworks, I would say. <laughs> I want a Victoria Cross. <laughs> Something like that for it, quite frankly. So I did talk to um, a family therapist about milestones because I wrote about it in my parenting column. Um, just thinking, oh, we make up milestones. It's just what parents say. It's just kind of part of the narrative. It's a bit of a cliche. It's not. It's actually, from a psychological point of view, milestones are massively, massively important. So her explanation was, so between the age of 15 and 25, when our brain is going through massive change and isn't really adult until about 25, you have to make significant memories to, to drop markers in for them to look back on because okay. it's really good for their mental health to look back and think, this was achieved, that was achieved. So to mm. remember those things, you mark them as milestones. So that's why you have big oh, parties. Nice. That's why you yeah. have all the cards and you, you have to have those moments really significantly marked by events. So how are you going to be celebrating Sky's 18th then, Lorraine? Well, we're in a bit of a quandary, aren't we? Because we can't have a massive party. There is an app called the Cameo app where mm-hmm. you can get a celebrity to wish them happy oh, birthday. Yes, I've heard about that. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think who, what level, how far oh, up no. we can go. I assume it's like a £50 level for your, yes. your boy band scenario. I know, right but they to... don't like boy bands, do they? And I don't no, know any of the names. Do you remember your 18th? Well, I do. Um, it wasn't great. I was never, I wasn't a party person, would never have wanted a party in a million years. And um, odd, isn't it? Because you're quite one now. I do. Yeah, I love a party now. I'm quite good at throwing a party and having life and soul, one. I, just, I would say. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a later in life thing. For, I don't think I had a party until I was about 30. I uh, didn't want to be the centre of attention, that kind of thing. And I, I remember taking the, um, took the day I bunked off college um, and went into town to uh, see, there was apparently going to be a secret gig of Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Oh, playing at the London Perfect School skin. of Economics. And so off I went. <laughs> oh, my God, that's with my friend. so emo. <laughs> Isn't it? And we um, sat there and waited, and it didn't happen. And then I had to come back for a sort of family birthday dinner. So it was oh, just no. a total waste of time. <laughs> so not. I still remember it, though. Hey, it's a milestone I remember. What about your 18? Well, obviously, I left home at 16, oh, so yes. I was living in London at that point yeah. in a um, flat share in Streatham which I loved. I loved it with a load of New Zealand girls. And I feel like we went to heaven. Do you remember the nightclub heaven? I do, yes. Um, we had quite a large uh, community of gay friends because um, we live quite near Brixton as well. So I think we either went to the fridge. Actually, it might be in the fridge we went to. Yeah, oh, we either went to the, the fridge, fridge or heaven. Uh, we stayed mm-hmm. up all night anyway. I don't um, remember what I wore. Usually I remember what I wear on these. Because oh, um, how much I'm on these significant yeah. moments. But yeah, it's just some kind of arms in the air situation, I feel. Nice. <laughs> arms in the air, we don't care. Yeah. Right, Trish, it's um, tried and tested time now. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about your balls? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As they say, explain me. Explain you. Uh, protein balls, of course, <laughs> which I've been trying and testing. Um, I decided it was time to rethink my snacking and get a bit more healthy oh, with it. <laughs> I know why, you little... Oh, crisp, uh, crisp, no, chocolate, 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 chocolate killer, chocolate. Yeah. Um, and actually, I thought killing two birds with one stone might be the way forward. So I wanted to up my protein as being veggie. I'm not convinced I probably get enough, which is why I'm such a, a puny weakling. 
obviously there's loads of them you can buy. Um, the two that I particularly liked were the Deliciously Ella and Bounce ones. And I think what's nice about those is they don't have any kind of hidden nasties like processed oils or preservatives or that kind of thing. Deliciously Ella, Ella herself, she actually tells you how to make them. So she shares the recipes. Oh. You can just make them at home. All you've got to do is whiz up some dates and almonds, a bit of coconut oil and some chia seeds. But you're supposed to have them milled. Otherwise, to quote you, they go right through you. And actually, right. you, don't want, <laughs> you don't want them to go right through. You want no. them to be absorbed. So you want the milled kind of chia seeds. When you say you whiz it all up, sorry, you're yeah. talking to like base. I have literally yeah. no idea what that means. So you're going to whiz it all up and then what you're going to do? In a make food processor. And then you just, oh, you no. just sort of mould them with your hand into whatever little ball size that you like. And then you pop it in a box and shove them in the freezer for an hour. And that sort of stiffens them up. And then you just leave them in the fridge. And then you just have them, they last for ages. You just have them when you want them. You know, Jane Clark said we could change one thing. We could do that. Yes. Getting a healthy protein ball, protein ball. Yeah. Now, um, what about you? What have you been up to? Right. Well, this is a kind of long-term tried and testing situation, which has come to fruition, fruition, as it were, this week. Um, do you know about bruxism? No. What's that? Teeth grinding. Oh, goodness. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's that the technical term. quite so, gruesome. One in 10 of us grind our teeth, Mm -hmm. about 6.5 million people. Gives you headaches, makes Mm. your teeth sensitive. It's really common. No one knows really why you do it. It might be sort of misalignment of the jaw, of the teeth. And Um, you're doing this at night. So I'm a chronic tooth grinder. So uh, And it gets worse in times of insomnia and stress. So before um, we went into lockdown, I went to my dentist, Dr. Eugenia Okoy, who's amazing at London Smiling. And she um, she does 10 years younger on the telly. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she always talks me into the chair because I'm completely phobic about dentists. And if I don't go straight into the chair, then I leave immediately. <laughs> she said, look, it's getting really bad. Your jaw's really tense and tight. All the muscles are really mm. hard. And that's what's causing the headaches in the morning. And in midlife, you get quite a lot of headaches. So mm. it c- could be anything. So before that, she made me a mouth guard to wear at night. So I hadn't been mm. using it at all, thinking oh, intermittently, oh, this won't make any difference. <laughs> I can't see how this is going to stop my headaches. But during the last six weeks, I thought, well, now during lockdown, oh, mm. this is the one thing I'll change. I'll wear it every single night. And I have to say it has made quite a big oh. difference. Your whole jaw feels so oh, much more oh, good. relaxed. You do have to, well, the motto here is if you make, if you get one, and they are expensive, they're around £300 because you have mm. them absolutely fitted to your yes. jaw. And it's also, as you get older, your teeth get, they get more fragile, so it it's good to have something to stop them wearing um, down, but it has made quite a difference. So I think if one has gone to the dentist, had one done Mm. and been advised to have one, you should absolutely be doing it. Trish, Mm. talk me through your nostalgia noodling. Where have you been? Which part of history have you dipped your tiny toes in? It's been a two, two centred noodle this week (laughs) because it's about sports days. So I don't know why this came to mind. I had this sort of thought that, goodness, I'm not ever going to go to any more sports days until I'm probably a granny, hopefully one day. So you do that, obviously do the sports days that your kids, little kiddies, which is lovely. Um, Is it though? I don't know. I quite like (laughs) it. I mean, I don't know. But then there was the ones that you had to do yourself, which... (laughs) 
thinking back I just remember I was actually quite sporty at school but of course sports day was really about athletics and it was it was like the blooming olympics at our school because you literally had high jump long jump javelin throwing can you imagine being allowed these days to spiky old stick to throw about um, and then lots of like 800 meters 400 meters and I was like oh I can't bet I can't run I don't I'm too short to do high jump so guess what I did <laughs> guess what I put myself in for Shot put. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I worry about your little wrist picking up a protein I ball. Know, How would you little pick bird up a shot put? Well, this is the thing. I thought, well, clearly <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely rubbish at this. And I, you know, I'm just going to, you just stand there and have. I won the shot. Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) How did you do that? What is it? It is in the stance, possibly. It could be my technique was very good. But the really great thing was, again, back in those days, you got proper medals, again, like the Olympics. (laughs) This (laughs) lovely medal. And um, a couple of years I found it while rummaging around through a few old boxes in my dad's garage. And and I found it. And, of course, Neil is delighted with it. And he's put it up in the loo. He's got it hanging off. Is he laughing with you oh, or laughing at you? At, yeah. uh, all at. of it, just laughing <laughs> at the, the idea of me. Is it on your CV I now? I should do that, should Shot I? put champion. Yes, I like that. Protein ball oh. maker, dinner party thrower, <laughs> rosé guzzler, shot put champion. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. I think, are you going to amaze me with your noodle? Well, I think I might make you laugh because it certainly mm. made me laugh. It was a good half an hour on, on the internet, this one. Mm, so yeah. I was... um pottering about chatting to someone the other day and the kids overheard me and I used the phrase in the best possible taste oh yes so yes, do you remember who, who said the phrase the best possible taste Kenny Everett it was course. Kenny Everett which yes. is a real 1990s yeah. well it's late 80s, 80s actually because he yeah. died in 1995 he was off that kind of Frankie Howard Hattie Jakes Ooh, uh, that whole, yeah it took me yeah. back to all of that but actually he was quite progress the exuberance of him if you watch mm. it on youtube i don't know how he had the energy to do any of that kind of he was sort of interwoven in the capital radio he got fired mm. by the bbc twice oh, i think gosh. for right, his okay. shows my favorite bit about uh, young kenny poor poor kenny um who was greatly missed when he died who used to do um dress up in women's clothing with his <laughs> ears and <laughs> fake press it's like some bonkers Blackadder type situation. Anyway, he his book about his life was called The Custard Stops at Hatfield. Oh, what a brilliant name for brilliant. a book. I've got to think of a name for your book for when you go, Trish. <laughs> Something about protein balls and shot pots. Yeah. yeah, that's mm. the lasting memory of our postcards yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for I listening to this rubbish people. I might throw one at you if you're not careful. That's <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And you can also listen to the podcast on the Times radio app. So if you don't have that yet, go to your app store and download it. We'd love you to share your midlife experiences with us on our new Facebook group. You can be anonymous or not, but we've got lots of great chat, advice and competitions. So do get involved. And you can also contact us via email on hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or on our social media. Goodbye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.